From that fateful day when stinking bits of slime first crawled from the sea and shouted to the cold stars, I am man. Our greatest dread has always been the knowledge of our mortality. But tonight, we shall hurl the gauntlet of science into the frightful face of death itself. Tonight, we shall ascend into the heavens. We shall mock the earthquake. We shall command the thunders and penetrate into the very womb of impervious nature herself. In 1974, comedian Mel Brooks created his masterpiece with the help of Gene Wilder, Peter Boyle, Marty Feldman, Terry Garr, Cloris Leachman, and Madeline Kahn. Some of the funniest minds of the 20th century united to create the iconically hilarious spoof, Young Frankenstein, today's topic. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And this is your weekly filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, listeners. This is episode 37 today, our first horror comedy spoof and one of my favorite movies, Young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. A parody of the classic Mary Shelley story, Frankenstein, the story of a man who made a monster. So excited to talk about this one. I'm a big Mel Brooks fan, and this one, I think, is his masterpiece. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, an argument can't be made for a lot of those movies, though. Yeah, yeah, and there's, you know, I I think what's cool about him is, like, he has, like, groups, you know, and they all kind of, you know, go to one film, but they love, we love them all, you know? Yes. Yes, we do. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode on The Witch. Wanted to do something a lot less serious this week, as that one is a bit of a mindfuck and a soul sucker. Yeah. So, stay tuned in just a few weeks, where we'll be back in Weird Shit Wednesday mode for a franchise focus on the Harry Potter movies. Oh, man. We'll discuss J.K. Rowling's timeless creation that took over the world, and the eight films that have since become as iconic as Star Wars or The Lord of the Rings, just to name a couple. Mischief managed. (laughs) Who wouldn't enjoy that episode? Can't wait, don't miss it. Episode 40, coming soon. Before we travel to Transylvania, let's get into the Rewind, where we take a look back at past episodes and search for updates. First up, a rather uncomfortable update on episode 10, Roman Polanski. There's been a new rape allegation made against the Polish director. According to an article from The Guardian, Valentin Monnier, a photographer and former actress, claims that Polanski violently raped and assaulted her at his chalet in Gestat in 1975, when she was 18 years old. She claims he tried to make her swallow a pill and then later made a tearful apology while demanding that she promise never to tell anybody what happened. Polanski denied the allegation and is threatening legal action against Monnier, and I'm inclined to believe her as he has a history of doing exactly this. Yes, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, how many allegations is it now? Like five? Five or six, yeah. Yeah. It's a handful, yeah. We've talked about this guy before in, uh, many times. He comes up a lot. Yeah, no, he, yeah, for whatever reason, is like a huge, huge figure in film. He's a so. piece of shit, and his uh, new movie, An Officer and a Spy, comes out later this year, well, I guess next month, and the premiere has not been canceled. It's been, like, slightly delayed or something. I think the yeah. red carpet was canceled due to this, but... Roman Polanski seems to be the only guy in Hollywood to consistently get away with this. Yeah. It's weird. For like four decades now. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's shut him down like they shut down Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein. Polanski's just, you know, fuck him. (laughs) I don't know. It's insanity. Yeah. Next, an update on episode 17, The Conjuring. 
I finally watched The Curse of La Llorona, the last piece of the Conjuring puzzle that I was missing. How was that? It was god-awful. Yeah. I give it a six. It wasn't scary. It was painfully predictable. And it was a total waste of time. (laughs) Jeez. It's... I've seen that movie a hundred times. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. I think we're going to get it here in January with The Grudge, so... Yeah. You're getting that same shit. It's, for some reason, dude, it's ghost movies. There's a formula they tend to follow. There's the occasional great one, but most of the time they're this. Yeah, they're shit. And yeah. it's upsetting. I, I hate that this is part of The Conjuring. Like, Isn't I wish that frustrating? They, yeah, I wish yeah. they hadn't bothered. Because now there's this one bit that's way worse than the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, they're not all great. The Nun was questionable. Annabelle was okay. Yeah, but they're watchable. They're watchable, yeah. yeah. From what I've heard about Lariana, it's like no. just garbage, yeah. It was... I'm not bad. I'm not going to watch it. Don't, ever. Yeah. I, I don't see the point. Don't bother. There's too many other things to watch. Exactly. But I had it in the... I still do Netflix through the mail, and I had it here for three months. Yeah, no, I remember, yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been sitting right here, like right to the right of me. I need to get time. that out of here. Yeah. It was time. For my final update, we go back to Filmgasm number one, The Shining. Oh! The long-awaited sequel, Doctor Sleep, was finally released to a rather lukewarm response, which we'll talk about at the end. I loved it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm actually seeing it tomorrow night, but we're, we're going to have a bonus on it. Yes. Um, what, in like... A couple weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks from now. Yeah. So... Yeah. It was creepy. It felt like a natural continuation of the Kubrick film and King's book, which I thought was impossible. It bridged the gap. And brought Kubrick Shining into the Stephen King film collection. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand uh, just the numbers. It makes no sense yeah. because this is, a, again, a King adaptation. It's involved with The Shining, arguably yeah. the greatest horror movie of all time. It's got Ewan McGregor in it. Uh, Flanagan's directing. <laughs> and horror movies already, we've talked about this a lot, yeah. tend to, because they, they have an identity, they have a fan base, they tend to do well in the theater no matter what. But here we have a weird case where they did spend a lot of money and they did advertise and did have commercials for it, uh, like when football games are on, and it flopped so bad opening weekend. Yeah. Oh, boy. Really, really sad, and that, that, that frustrates me, to be honest. We're going to get into this in great detail at the end in uh, This Week in Film, but suffice it to say, like for my opinion, it's I think The Shining's been on the fringe for so long, and Doctor Sleep is the movie that finally brings it into the main like into the mainstream for King fans. And I enjoyed it big time. I gave it an eight. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to go see it. Very yeah. entertaining film. Yeah, like you said, we'll we'll talk about it more later. Yeah. Our frustrations with uh, <laughs> the box office results. Yeah. God. So, Young Frankenstein was released in 1974 and was directed and co-written by comedy icon Mel Brooks. The brains behind The Producers, Blazing Saddles, The Twelve Chairs, Silent Movie, Spaceballs, High Anxiety, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and History of the World Part 1, just to name a few. He won an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay in 1969 for The Producers, and he's been nominated two more times, Best Original Song for the title track from Blazing Saddles, and Best Adapted Screenplay for Young Frankenstein. Oscar nominee Gene Wilder stars as Dr. Frederick Frankenstein. Frankenstein. (laughs) Grandson of Dr. Victor Frankenstein. Wilder also co-wrote the film with Brooks, Wilder is one of my all-time favorite actors and is mostly known for his role as Willy Wonka in 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, it's just legendary. It's, yeah. If that's not a part of your childhood, I'm really sorry. In my now. top ten of all time, I love that movie so, so much. Good. That, we're going to find a way to put that up. Oh, yeah. We'll have a standalone episode for that guy. That's a, that's a big one. That'll be our bonus for, like, maybe Candyman. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. I like that a lot. 
Well, we, don't we have a new one coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Go. All right, <laughs> expect that soon. Fuck yeah. He was uh, Wilder was nominated for his performance in The Producers, and he shared the Best Adapted Screenplay nomination for Young Frankenstein. Yes. yes. Wilder appeared in a number of classic comedies in the 70s and 80s, including Blazing Saddles, Silver Streak, Stir Crazy, The Frisco Kid, and he had a brief role in Bonnie and Clyde. He was known a lot in the 70s and 80s for working with Richard Pryor. Yes. They were a comedy duo for a number of films. Of those, I've seen Stir Crazy and Silver Streak. I loved Stir Crazy. Not that big a fan of Silver Streak. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. It was not as funny as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. no. No, 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 it didn't age as well as, no. as the other ones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I love Blazing Saddles. Oh my gosh, that's fucking hilarious! That's pro- that's probably my second favorite of his. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I although I do enjoy the bonus we're going to be doing uh, oh, yeah. this week. So, <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, if you haven't figured it out yet, because we haven't. Yeah, neither of us have even said it yet. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So yeah, Gene Wilder was the man. He retired. Uh, I think late in the 80s after the death of his wife, Gilda Radner, he, it broke his heart. He never got over it. He died in 2016 at 83 of complications from Alzheimer's disease, and it broke my heart. I'm a, I am love Gene Wiley. He was a major part of my childhood, and when I found out he, he died, I, 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 was, I cried. Yeah, distraught. Yeah. He's one of those guys. One of those guys that you, yeah, you just grow an attachment to. You know? mm-hmm. And Young Frankenstein may be his greatest performance. Willy Wonka is an amazing movie, but Wilder never got better than he did in Young Frankenstein. I, it's it's yeah, mesmerizing. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Peter Boyle plays the monster, does a hilarious job basically grunting and roaring the whole time until the end. Boyle was a great character actor who appeared in a ton of stuff, namely Taxi Driver, Johnny Dangerously, Malcolm X, the Santa Claus trilogy, and he was arguably the best character on Everybody Loves Raymond. Frank Barone. <laughs> Let's Holy go. crap! I loved he was the, him and Brad Garrett were the reasons I watched that show. Hell yeah, yeah, hell yeah, wonderful. I loved Boyle as Clyde Bruckman in the X Files season three episode, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. Oh yeah, where he plays a reluctant psychic who can tell when somebody's going to die. Yes, he won That's an cool. Emmy for his guest appearance. It's one of the best episodes of the show. Yeah, wow, good call. Yeah, wonderful. He's you know everyone in the, sh- in the episode is these you know goofy psychics who are you know. 1-800-KNOW-YOUR-FUTURE, all that shit. And he's just some guy who's like, hey, you know, you're going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. Take care. <laughs> it's awesome. I, I love it. He doesn't want this gift, but it's just, it's, you know, what he can do. It's such a great episode. Oh, he man. says Mulder's going to die of autoerotic asphyxiation one day, and he gets really offended. <laughs> yeah, I love him. Peter Boyle, uh, he tragically died in 2006 at 71 of multiple myeloma and heart heart disease. And that was a bit of a shock. Marty Feldman plays Igor, the wisecracking hunchback. Feldman's signature uh, was his giant bulging eyes. Yes. It was, <laughs> nobody looked like Marty Feldman. Extremely distracting, yeah. He had his own British sketch comedy show called Marty, which ran from 1968 to 1969. He had a short-lived career, appearing in comedies like Yellowbeard, Silent Movie, and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, alongside Gene Wilder. Feldman died suddenly in 1982 at 48 of a heart attack brought on by food poisoning yep. on the set of Yellowbeard. Crazy. And for those of you who don't know, Yellowbeard is one of the funniest gems of the 80s. It's Monty Python and Cheech and Chong making yes. a pirate movie. There you go, yeah. It's unbelievably funny. Say, say that again for the listeners. Monty Python 
Cheech and Chong pirate movie. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on, guys. It's it's so great. Sign up for that, yeah. <laughs> Fuck Disney Plus. Sign up for that. <laughs> it's so great. We gotta do it. We, we, I gotta figure out a way to do a bonus on Yellowbeard someday. Yes. Such well, an under... Not a lot of people know about that movie. I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> Terry Gar plays Inga, Dr. Frankenstein's gorgeous assistant. Gar has had a long and colorful career, appearing in such classics as Tootsie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, After Hours, Mr. Mom, Dumb and Dumber, and she was the voice of Terry McGinnis's mom on Batman Beyond. Pretty sweet. Oscar winner Cloris Leachman plays the eccentric Flau Blucher. Cue horse noise. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had one of those. I know, like, me those too. Audio I wish I had a button. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone can send us one of those or something, or, or tell us how we do that. I don't know how to do that. Leachman won Best Supporting Actress for her role in 1971's The Last Picture Show. She's been working nonstop with nearly 300 credits to her name. She had a recurring role in the Mary, T- Mary Tyler Moore show and starred in the spinoff Phyllis, which ran for two seasons. She recently played the dementia-stricken grandma on Raising Hope, starred in three episodes of American Gods, and she's set to appear in the revival of Mad About You. She's a machine. Yeah. Cloris yeah. Leachman's been working nonstop since the 70s. Insane filmography. Insane. Yeah. Crazy. Oscar nominee Madeline Kahn plays Elizabeth, Frederick's ditzy fiance. Kahn might be the funniest woman who ever lived, at least to me. I think Madeline Kahn was a national treasure. I miss her every day. She was the most hilarious woman working in Hollywood. Every role she had, I was dying. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. She was nominated for her roles in 1973's Paper Moon and 1974's Blazing Saddles. She also played Mrs. White in Clue and appeared in High Anxiety, Yellowbeard, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, History of the World Part 1, and she voiced Gypsy the Moth in A Bug's Life. There you go. She tragically died in 1999 at 57 of ovarian cancer. Ugh, and the world was never, the comedy world was never the same. I loved Madeline Kahn. I still love Madeline Kahn. Sounds like it, yeah. 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 Hilarious. That's so cool. That's great. So great. We're going to do an episode on her just for me one day. She's so great. Finally, Kenneth Mars plays the one-armed Inspector Kemp. Mars also worked with Brooks in The Producers, where he played Franz Liebkind, the sympathetic Nazi who writes Springtime for Hitler. He also later appeared in Yellowbeard, and he was the voice of King Triton in The Little Mermaid. He died in 2011 at 75 of pancreatic cancer. Again, with Yellowbeard. Let's just do the Yellowbeard most bonus this, right now. Most of this cast is in Yellowbeard. It's fucking great. Yeah, let's just do Yellowbeard. <laughs> let's talk about it right now. Graham Chapman plays a murderous, rapey pirate named Yellowbeard who is in prison for life, but then doesn't die in prison, so they're forced to release him. And he is just... He goes, goes to find his treasure. Peter Boyle is his first mate who does Perfect. mutiny. Perfect. Cheech and Chong are these Spanish pirates who are, like, controlling, like, the gold. It's been a while. It's so good. John Cleese, I think, is Blind Pew. It's so great. All the more reason. We, we definitely need to have a bonus for that one someday. <laughs> I love it. That rounds out the hilarious cast of Young Frankenstein. The story came about when Gene Wilder began toying around with an original story of Dr. Frankenstein's grandson inheriting his lab and research, but wanting nothing to do with the family. He discussed the idea with his agent, Mike Metavoy, who suggested Wilder make a film with Metavoy's two new clients, Peter Boyle and Marty Feldman. 
Metavoy also suggested contacting Mel, uh, Mel Brooks about directing. Wilder had already been in contact with Brooks about the Frankenstein idea, but Brooks didn't seem all that interested initially. But while shooting Blazing Saddles, Wilder brought the idea up to Brooks again, and this time they began to collaborate on the script together and work out the details. Young Frankenstein was a massive hit, grossing $86 million on a $3 million budget. It has an IMDb score of 8.0 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93%. It was nominated for two Oscars, Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound Mixing, and in many circles it's considered one of the funniest movies of all time. Yes. And... They're not wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, you could you you could definitely have, yeah. There's an argument. This is like on the Mount Rushmore of, oh. com- of comedy. So. Oh yes, it's conceived as a parody and a continuation of the 1931 horror film Frankenstein, starring Boris Karloff and directed by James Whale. It's inevitable we're going to do that someday. Of course, yeah. Which we also need to do the Tim Burton Frankenweenie, which is also based on that <laughs> 1931 classic. Frankenstein <laughs> is the original monster movie. Yeah. You know, it's the man who made a monster. Yes. And it's great. I, Frankenstein and The Bride of Frankenstein, I've seen those two, and they're both great. It's kind of like one of those stories that had, like kind of had to be made, you know? Yeah. It's like a, a, a pillar of horror, yeah. a pillar a pillar of the, the scary the scary scene. Well, I think, yeah, it was, I think Dracula came first. Yes. For the Universal movies, and they wanted to do something else. They wanted Frankenstein, as a, you know, to adapt to that. They wanted Lugosi to play the monster, mm-hmm. and he was offended because, you know, an actor of his caliber would never play a lumbering oaf like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, yeah. So James Whale was walking around the uh, Universal Commissary, and he found Boris Karloff, this tall, you know, mesmerizing guy. There he is. And Frankenstein. Bam. It's amazing. Ugh. Sometimes, you know, fate reaches out and extends its hand. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Young Frankenstein is shot in black and white to capture the feel of the classic Universal monster movies. Brooks even managed to use the same exact lab equipment props from that film. Brooks found out the prop guy from Frankenstein, Ken Strickfaden, was still alive and living in L.A. Brooks went to visit him, found that he still had all the Frankenstein props in his garage. What? They worked out a deal so Brooks could rent the props. Strick Faden got the credit he never got for Frankenstein. How about that? So the, the the lab equipment in Young Frankenstein is the exact same lab equipment that Victor Frankenstein used in 31. Jeez. How cool is that? I didn't, definitely didn't know that. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Do you Have you seen 31's Frankenstein? Yeah. Do you yeah. think Young Frankenstein is a worthy successor? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Of course. I think this is the true sequel to Frankenstein. Yes, yeah. I really do, yeah. No questions No questions yeah. about it, man. It, it fits it's really snugly in the continuity. It's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, this is like I, this is his masterpiece, Mel Brooks. Oh, without a doubt. So, let's go into the plot. Yeah. Young Frankenstein. Indeed, let's do it. So, we meet Dr. Frederick Frankenstein. <laughs> Lecturer, phys- physician... Medical school teacher wants nothing to do with his crazy family who's known for grave robbing and trying to resurrect the dead. So naturally, he changes his name to the indecipherable Frank uh, Frankenstein. Hilarious. Well, yeah, which is even more distracting yeah. than and, if it was just Frankenstein. And he's just, <laughs> yeah. This guy's in town to tell him his great-grandfather is dead, Baron Beaufort von Frankenstein. <laughs> and he's the sole heir to the Frankenstein fortune. But before this, we get his Dr. Frankenstein's great lecture about the brain and the so nervous good. system. So good. And this kid who's asking all these questions, you know, but didn't your 
grandfather experiment <laughs> with just these things. And he just has to, he loses his mind. Yeah. It's awesome. So great. I love that opening scene. It's, it's a lot longer than I remembered, honestly, that lecture. You have a better chance of reanimating the scalpel so than you good. do repairing a broken nervous system. <laughs> it's so great. I love the way he's sitting with his, his legs crying. Yeah, it's great. A worm, with very few exceptions, is not a human being. <laughs> this movie has some of the best lines ever. Does. That's, the, that's one of my things though, with Mel Brooks is I didn't like really grow up with his movies. I more found them when I got older. And so it's like, I, I, I can't quote them like, <laughs> like, like uh, other people. Because my comedy as a kid was like the 90s, like Dumb and Dumber and... You know, Tommy Boy and stuff like that. Yeah. So it took me a little longer to get around to these, and I, I just wish I, I wish I knew them better, like I knew those other ones. You know. I grew up with Young Frankenstein, Spaceballs, Robin Hood, and um, Blazing Saddles. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't. Those are mine. I didn't see any of those until I was probably fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. So different. Yeah, different perspectives. That usually happens with us. So. <laughs> and there's that great scene where Fra- Frankenstein, you know gets heated and he accidentally stabs his leg with the scalpel. It's just class is dismissed. <laughs> so, perfect. Uh. <laughs> so after that we meet Elizabeth, his socialite fiance. It's oh, such yeah. a great scene cuz she there's a tearful goodbye but she doesn't want to mess up her outfit. Yeah. So he, he can't touch her. So they do it with the elbow. <laughs> yeah. Like they're like workers at like a warehouse like, "Hey man, yeah." I love that part. Taffeta, dear. Taffeta, honey. No, the dress is taffeta. That's that's what that's the best the best thing about Mel Brooks and like it just we don't see it a lot in comedy anymore is that the fucking commitment to each bit. Yes. The commitment yes. and how nobody ever lets up. <laughs> Every scene was meticulously crafted. Yeah, it's a continuation of the bit before and it keeps going and it keeps going. So brilliant. It keeps going until until he's like, Alright, all right, the movie's over, you know. <laughs> it's really amazing. It's a it's a, a extremely impressive formula in yeah. my opinion. Frederick's gonna go to Transylvania to sort out his great his great grandfather's will, and there's that great scene where he blows a kiss to her, and she like ducks, to, so she doesn't mess up around. It's so stupid, but it works. It still works. <laughs> Ugh. So he goes to Transylvania. He gets off at the train station, and he hears this weird footsteps, and that's where he meets Igor. <laughs> I love this. Oh, his intro He's is so favorite. great. He's my favorite character, yeah. Dr. Frankenstein? It's Frankenstein. You're putting me on. Yeah. No, it's pronounced Frankenstein. <laughs> you also say Froderick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why isn't it Froderick Frankenstein? Froderick. <laughs> Never mind. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. Igor. <laughs> they told me it was Igor. Well, they were wrong now, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were wrong now, weren't they? That's great. Oh, it's so great. He's, he spends the whole movie fucking with the doctor. He's just a troll. It's so yeah. perfect. He's trolling. He's trolling from <laughs> Yeah. So Igor takes his smaller bag and walks into the carriage and tells him, walk this way. <laughs> he does that like weird hobble down the stairs. So great. He uh, throws his stuff into the wagon where he meets Inga, the assistant, who is very forward. Indeed. <laughs> And on the way there, they have possibly my favorite exchange in the entire movie, where they hear the howling, and Dr. Frank- or Frankenstein says, Werewolf! And Igor goes, There! Yeah. There, wolf! There, castle! Why are you talking like that? I thought you wanted to. No, I don't want to. 
Suit yourself. I'm easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it's fucking brilliant. Werewolf. Fair castle. It's become a reflex of mine. Every time I hear the word werewolf spoken, I immediately go werewolf. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so they get to the castle Frankenstein and they meet Frau Blucher. <laughs> and. <laughs> I can't not do it. It's, it's such a great gag. And she is just so strange and mysterious. She leads them up to the bedroom with an unlit candle. And <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and they have that great exchange where the doctor wants to go to bed and she keeps offering him drinks. <laughs> Some hot tea, perhaps. No. Oval tea. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I say good night. Good night. It's so aggressive. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to read out this whole damn story. My face hurts. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing. It's so man. great. Frederick has a aggressive nightmare of his destiny. Starts chanting. <laughs> Wakes up in a, in a heat hearing violin music coming from behind the bookcase. Behind the bookcase. The bookcase. Inga comes in, and together they find the secret passage to Dr. Frankenstein's lab. After a nice bit with the revolving door and a candle, which is funny. Put the candle back. <laughs> I know this movie so well. <laughs> so None of these quotes are in front of me, by the way. I just know this. This is so great. So, they don't find the source of the music yet. What they do find is... Oh, and Igor's there, too. It's great. <laughs> they see him on a row of skulls, and then he's just there with his head tilted, yes, and he scares yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Rightly so, he is scarier. <laughs> Wait, it could be dangerous. You go first. <laughs> so they find Dr. Frankenstein's secret library with the notes... Literally, How I Did It by Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> and Frederick starts reading it and immediately loses his fucking mind. It's really funny how quick it is. Like, there's no hesitation. <laughs> he just starts reading it, and he freaks out, and he just goes, It could work! <laughs> so passionately. It's so great. <laughs> oh, my God. So they decide they're going to try this. They're going to they're gonna make a, a man. And... He and Igor, sorry, Igor, yeah. <laughs> go and steal the corpse of a recently executed criminal, and they start to work on experimenting, making the body ready for the experiment, and <clears throat> it's funny, uh, is this before or after, I think they know, the town knows he's in town. Yeah, they already know. So they have the town yeah. meeting. They're, they're totally aware. With yeah, Inspector yeah. Kemp. And the people are freaking out. He's a Frankenstein! And they're all alike! That guy. And Inspector Kemp, who has this such a thick, ridiculous accent. <laughs> we must be sure the good doctor isn't following in his grandfather's footsteps. <laughs> it's so great. It's like weird robot hand. <laughs> oh, so great. <laughs> so, back at the castle, Igor is tasked with... with this Retrieving the brain is so funny. This movie's so funny. 
<laughs> he has to go get the brain of Hans Delbruck, a noted historian, a very revered man. And Igor drops the brain after getting startled by his own reflection. I love that part. And he picks up a brain labeled abnormal, do not use. So Igor returns with it, Frederick puts it in the body. And oh, man. then they're, they're ready to reanimate the corpse. And they say that awesome, he's, Frederick says that awesome speech I said at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> and he has, you know, throw the switch, all that. And they, you know, electric electrify the body. Yeah, yeah. It's classic Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work. And <laughs> Frederick is like, no, no, we must accept our failures with quiet dignity and grace. You son of a bitch! I'll kill you! You ruined my life! He just starts freaking out. I don't want to live! With dignity? (laughs) Mama! Just like panicking. So great. (laughs) Little did they know, they were successful. And the monster awakens when they're eating a black forest cake. And he goes, "Mm." As one does, you know. In Transylvania. Frederick thinks Igor made the noise. He's like, oh, you like it? I didn't say anything. Yeah, you did. You made a yummy noise. <laughs> and that's when they realize, it's alive! <laughs> and it's awesome. So he opens, he you know, unstraps the creature. The creature starts walking around. He's frightened by fire. <laughs> and it's such a great scene. He starts strangling Frederick. And he's trying to tell Igor and Ingo what to do. And he's doing, like, charades. <laughs> He's trying to say sedative, but he can't get it out. And Igor thinks he says, like, sedative, and they can't, he can't get it. And eventually, Ingo figures it out, destinates the monster. And Gene Wilder says, like, just the perfect punchline. He just goes, sedative? I want a t-shirt that says that. Really bad. Oh, my God. That should be our film guys and t-shirts. <laughs> sedative? So great. Oh so, my gosh. clearly, something went wrong with the brain. So, Frederick asks Igor, I told you to go get the brain. Who's, uh, that's not Hans Delbruck's brain, is it? <laughs> no. Ah, okay. Whose brain did I put into the body? Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby normal. Are you... <laughs> Are you telling me that I put an abnormal brain in the body of a six foot, nine inch, 55 inch wide gorilla? (laughs) Starts strangling Igor, and Igor does the same sedative charades. It's, oh God, I love this movie so much. (laughs) Sedative! Oh my God. So... Frederick goes up to the uh, he goes upstairs because there's a knock on the door and it's Inspector Kemp who wants to make sure everything's on the you know everything's cool in the Frankenstein household because this town is not like Frankenstein's because they always try to do this shit (laughs) they have a um, they have a meeting Kemp and Frank and Frankenstein and it's funny because Frederick says, like, I just have to act natural. And he's like, 
Monsters? Ha! <laughs> so ridiculously unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing darts and camp cheats and all that. It's, it's like, you just, <laughs> Frederick basically makes him, you know, assures him nothing funny is going on in this castle. <laughs> oh, funny. And uh, <clears throat> then Frederick discovers that uh, Frau Blucher... Setting the creature free. She's the one of the uh, who's doing the violin music, and she was in a relationship with with Doctor Frankenstein. They were lovers, and the creature freaks out from some sparks, escapes the castle, starts roaming the countryside. And uh, first, he the monster runs into a young girl, which happened in Frankenstein. Of course, in that movie, he killed the girl. <laughs> In this, he kind of flings her into her bedroom. It was awesome. <laughs> and then he runs into a blind hermit, played by Gene Hackman. <laughs> I I did not know when I first saw this that that was him. I yeah. Had no fucking idea. And so this time around, I was like, holy shit! I, like, I love that guy. That's one of my favorite people. Yeah. yeah. He and Wilder met on Bonnie and Clyde, and uh, I guess Gene Hackman wanted a role in the movie just to be a part of it. Yeah, and he plays the hermit, and it's funny him his interactions with Peter Boyle's monster are hilarious. Keeps like dropping hot soup on him. <laughs> Cheers, breaks his glass, and he's just the monster's just like, <sighs> and he start he lights a fire, and the monster freaks out and runs away. <laughs> Hackman mutters the immortal line, "Wait, don't go! I was gonna make espresso." <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I didn't think he had it in him. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. So, oh my gosh. Frederick and successfully captures the monster using violin music to lure him, locks him in a room, and tells <laughs> Igor and Inga, I'm going to go in there and talk to him. Whatever you hear, do not open this door. I will beg you, do not let me out. <laughs> and he goes in. The monster roars at him one time, and he's like, let me out. For the love of God, let me out of here. I was kidding. Don't you know a joke when you hear one? Mommy! He starts panicking, freaking out. Let me out. (laughs) Uh, So, he has no choice but to talk to the monster, and he tells the monster, you're a good person at heart. You want to be good. You're a good boy. You're a beautiful boy. And the monster... Breaks down, starts sobbing in his arms. It's so funny. <laughs> so he's, you know, Frederick's like, I can do this. I can make him whole. Yeah. And Inga's like, are you okay, Dr. Frankenstein? And Frederick loudly proclaims, my name is Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, it so, gives me chills every time. <laughs> I'm Classic. You, Classic. A, it's hilarious, but it works so well as a Frankenstein yes, movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's why it's that's why it's remembered so well. Oh, so great! So Frederick, fully confident, decides to show off the creature at a theater. It tells him, tells the you know science community in the town of Transylvania, I have made a man, and this is him. And he introduces them to the creature, and <laughs> dresses him in the top hat and tails, and they start playing, putting on the Ritz. It's a great scene. Oh yes, classic scene. Oh yes, <laughs> I love Peter Boyle's. Loud, like, like, dialogue. It's so funny. And uh, 
The routine ends when a stage light explodes, freaks out the creature. <laughs> Frederick tries to recapture it, <laughs> recapture the tone by doing some tap dancing. Tell the monster, are you trying to make me look like a fool? (laughs) 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 Oh, so great. The monster is captured by the police, and Frederick goes back to the laboratory. It's kind of weird. He wasn't captured by the police, too, for grave robbery. (laughs) He goes back to the lab, and Frederick tells Inga, like, if I could just figure out a way to fix his brain imbalance, he'd be right as rain. I can figure this out. And Inga's like, if there's only some way I could make you feel less tense. <laughs> and they end up sleeping together. Yes, of course. And of course, that's when his fiance shows up and Frau Blucher, <laughs> I'm going to do it every time, says, tells Frederick, your fiance's here. I suggest you put on a tie. He's completely naked. Is they're sleeping together. It's great. The monster escapes when Elizabeth shows up and he takes Elizabeth captive. And this is such a fucked up scene, but it's so funny. It's essentially necrophilia necrophilia and rape, but it's really funny because you're not supposed to think about that. But we think about everything. Elizabeth falls in love with the creature because he is very well endowed. It's really fucked up. Enormous Schwanstucker! Well, that goes without saying. Oh my god. <laughs> Excuse me. Where the fuck is this in the movie? <laughs> but it works. It so does work. It should work. I don't know why. This should completely ruin the entire movie, but if anything, it just keeps... It's, it's perfect. It, it works. On. Commitment god. is there. <laughs> the, the townspeople go on the, you know, the mob hunt to get the creature. Frederick uses the violin, lure the creature back to the castle, captures him again, and then... Dr. Frankenstein puts him and the creature in this machine to stabilize the creature's brain by transferring his own part of his own intellect into the creature. And it's successful, and the creature can talk. And he reasons with the mob and says, you know, this man was the only one who believed in me, and he gave me his part of his brain, and now I can talk. And why, you know, don't demonize him. He's a good man. It's, it's a really good scene. It really is. really is. <laughs> I, it bounces off that enormous Schwanstucker really well. And uh, yeah, actually it gives you a nice little, little something there. Afterwards. Seven or eight quick ones and you're off to the races. To, <laughs> off with the boys to brag. <laughs> God damn. Oh, <laughs> Madeline Kahn is so goddamn funny. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, Frank, uh, we flash forward a bit. Frederick and Inga are now married. And Elizabeth is now <laughs> married the... She's married the creature. Yes. She has her hair styled to look like the Bride of Frankenstein, which was a cute little nod. And Frederick in bed with Inga. Inga starts humming the violin theme, and Frederick goes, like, into a trance, starts acting like the monster, and she asks him, I always wonder, did you get anything from him in the transference? And Frederick looks at the camera, kind of winks almost, and you find out that... That's, yeah, he got something pretty good in the transference. So weird. <laughs> Incredible. The movie ends with uh, Inga singing that mister, sweet mystery of life song as she's embraced by the passion. And Igor's playing a French horn outside and that's, that's the end of the movie. 
It's so great. It's great. Great it's ending. Flawless. Flawless Love movie. Love it. Shouldn't work. This whole ending shouldn't work, but it does. I think just, you were right, because Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder were committed. Yeah, super committed. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've laughed so hard. My whole face hurts. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that was honestly an impressive performance from Connor. Let's give it up. Let's give it up. All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, I amazing. did my best. I didn't think I'd remember it that well, honestly. It was that was I surprised when myself. You, when it starts rolling, you just yeah. uh, you just remember quotes and stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> I've got a quote poster on my wall of some of the most uh, iconic quotes in the movie. It was a Christmas gift from a couple years ago. It's fantastic. <laughs> I've always wanted a T-shirt of this movie. I wanted one that says "Their Wolf," but I'll never find that. Ah, <laughs> oh, so great. <laughs> the uh, so let's get into some film guys and facts. About young Frankenstein. Yes. Number one, the shifting hump on Igor's back was an ad-libbed gag. Marty Feldman had been shifting the hump back and forth for several days when cast members finally noticed and it was added to the script. His hump keeps going from one side of the... It's wonderful. You know, I'm a rather brilliant surgeon. I can probably help you with that hump. What hump? (laughs) Uh, So great. Number two. In 1974, Aerosmith took a break from a long night of recording to see this film. Steven Tyler wrote the band's massive hit, Walk This Way, the morning after seeing the movie, inspired by Marty Feldman's scene where he tells Gene Wilder to walk this way. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Fuck yeah, man. I, might, I think that's my favorite, my favorite Aerosmith song, too. Walk This Way is a goddamn masterpiece. Uh, favorite Aerosmith song, Sweet Emotion. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. You seem like a sweet emotion. <laughs> Yeah, I think when it, it I think it helps. It's like at the beginning of Days Confused. Yeah, yeah, and they're driving around the parking lot. It's, it's that sweet guitar. So awesome. Oh my god, so great! <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. They have a residency in Vegas right now. I really want to go see them. I really like Dream On a lot as well. Dream On's great. It's a fun track. I like Last Child. That's, That's a good track too. Yeah. yeah, they're a cool band. Yeah, yeah, Aerosmith, great. Number three, Gene Wyler has stated that this is his favorite of all the films he's made. Good choice. <laughs> Indeed. Number four, Gene Hackman's line, I was going to make espresso, was not part of the original script. The camera faded to black because of the laughter that followed. Gene Hackman was unable to repeat the line without laughing with the rest of the cast, and crews of the first take was used. <laughs> Unbelievable. He added not surprised, it. though. <laughs> not surprised. It's so great. And number five, Gene Wilder's performance as Dr. Frederick Frankenstein is ranked number nine on Premier Magazine's 100 Greatest Performances of All Time. Ahead of uh, He ranks ahead of Robert De Niro in Raging Bull and Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot. <laughs> Fuck yes. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That really so, is. So great. It's quite a feat. And I give Young Frankenstein a nine very close to a ten. It's at least like a 9.8. One more viewing, it's going to be a ten. Yeah, it's got a solid eight from me. Now, I, I do want to point something out. I think I do think he he, uh, he should have been up this year at the Oscars. Yes. Well, I'll read the names. You got Art Carney for Harry and Tonto. That's what won. Uh, two won. Sorry. I don't even know who that is or That's, what that movie is. That, exactly. Albert Finney, Murder Murder on the Orient Express. Ooh. Dustin Hoffman, and Lenny. <coughs> Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. Oh. Al Pacino in Godfather Part Two. Damn. So I think he deserves a spot in there over uh, Carney and Finney. 
Yeah. Uh, leave Hoffman, Nicholson, and Pacino where they are. Yeah. And this was a time when like straight comedies got attention. Exactly. That's what I got a screenplay now. I was kind of confused by it. Now, I do think, like, I don't think his performance, in my opinion, doesn't touch that of uh, Jack Nicholson or Al Pacino, but it's still incredible. It's what, what he's doing is incredible on here. The, the commitment is like, that's acting, you know? That is acting, is committing to something and, and doing it for, you know, a long span of time. And yes. That's exactly what he does. And he's my favorite part of the movie, for oh, sure. Absolutely. Him and him and uh, Igor, <laughs> I love Igor so much. That's that's. I, I'm excited to, to like continue watching this. It's gonna become part of like my rotation probably oh, yeah. around like the Halloween time. Uh, yeah, I just really really enjoyed it. I hadn't seen it like I said in like in six or seven years. So awesome movie. Oh, so much fun. This was this was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a good time. I, now we need now we need to do like one. Of, I need to do like Dumb and Dumber, and I'll I'll quote the whole thing. <laughs> It's so it's just fun when you when you find like you know, because we choose all these movies obviously. Connor and I choose every single one. So and we don't do not all of them are ones we've seen or ones we love. But occasionally we get one of those where we get to just the passion just pours out and here we are talking about Mel Brooks. You know, it's great. We get a Jaws. We get a Hereditary. We get a Young Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. And then we get a you know then we get like a Midsummer and then you know uh, next week we're doing In the Tall Grass. Yeah. This is the way it goes, man. The movies are not all perfect. So. Nah. That's the beauty. Yeah. We're all like snowflakes. Indeed. <laughs> so let's take a look at what happened this week in film. Yikes! There was a lot. A controversial casting choice is sweeping the film community. An upcoming Vietnam War film, Finding Jack, will be using a fully CGI rendering of classic Hollywood actor James Dean for a starring role. They've obtained permission from Dean's family, but this raises a number of ethical questions and and has angered most of the film community. What do you think about this? I don't like it. I, I don't like it either. I think you leave it alone. He acted when he could, when he was alive. Yeah. He's got awesome stuff. I know it's not a lot, but leave, leave it alone. Yeah. He's, he's, he's passed away. When, when someone dies, there's, there's a line from a song, Father John Misty song, that says, um, we should just let this dead guy sleep. That's kind of how I think about celebrities a lot. Now, it's different when there's like legal stuff, but like this is it's James Dean. Let's leave it. Let's leave it be. He was a legend. I just don't agree with that. that yeah. Also, you're taking away an opportunity from an actual actor, a young actor who could actually make money and do the job well. Yeah. So you know, I just yeah, I don't like it. Don't agree with it. It's very much a publicity stunt, and they can replicate what James Dean looks like. They cannot replicate James Dean. Yeah. That performance. And I love him. Yeah. yeah. Like I love I love all the stuff he got to do. His right. talent regrettably is dead yeah, you can't yeah. create that in a computer so it's not going to work and like who you know where does it end is this that's that's my thing yeah. too. now we're opening oh it's like mm -mm. this opens the floodgates to like redo the godfather with marlon brando oh god you no. can't do that you shouldn't be allowed to do that no i really don't think you should no i don't think so mm -hmm. but then again when rogue one a star wars story came out they fully CGI. They did Peter do that Cushing. with that one character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, and these questions weren't really raised to that like to that level. Yeah, but that's that's tough. I, yeah, that's tough that it wasn't really brought up or like no one paid attention to it. And now here we are with James Dean, and it's like an uproar. That's that's a good point. I like that you pointed that out. So that you you have to be fair. And uh, nobody. I also Star Wars is not like on my radar. Yeah, James Dean is. <laughs> He's like someone I like look up to. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I would look at it as like, what if you did the same thing with Heath Ledger? Not cool, man. No, not cool. No. Not cool. You can't, you can't like redo the Joker. You know, like leave, leave it as it was. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't. I have a hard time when someone doesn't have a say in something because they're dead. Yeah. I feel like you should leave it be. I agree. That's just, that, to me, that's like an unwritten rule. I don't know. Yeah. But then again, like, I know, um, the movie Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow features a performance from Laurence Olivier. Yep. Using archived footage. He plays the bad guy. Yeah. But he's he was dead for like 20, 30 yeah. years before that happened. Yeah. And nobody said anything. So I don't, I'm not sure. where yeah, I, I know where I stand. I don't know where the film community stands. Exactly. That's where, and that's where it really is important, yeah, obviously, is, um, you know, it's not like we're making decisions. No. Yeah. We should be. It's tough. We, we know what we're talking about. But, yeah, we don't get to make decisions. It's so. tough. Yeah, it's frustrating. Needless to say, I will not be seeing that movie, because I don't, I don't. I don't think they're going to go through with it. And, and, and I also, like, I, really, that's what we're going to use them for? I'm pretty sure James Dean was anti-war too. Yeah, that's it's that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what we're gonna do. If we're gonna do something, do something cool. <laughs> do something cool and unique. Make him Batman or some shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly my point. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Well, we might do a full bonus just talking about that idea because there's a lot of potential there. Talk about you know, in the state of Peter Cushing and Lawrence Olivier. Where does this where do you draw the line? Well, you, you know, know what we, we could do, do because we're both we're gonna be releasing. Uh, you know, we got on November fifteenth, uh, Ford vs Ferrari comes out, and that movie famously is not using CGI and only stunts. And they said, "Fuck that! We're like gonna use cars and people and stunt drivers." So maybe we can kind of do a segue with that bonus and talk a little bit about. We could maybe. I don't know. I, I think it's really interesting, and I think it's very applicable to the times. Yeah. And what's going on? And I would love to hear what other people think about. I would very much. You know, it's something I try to bring up when I'm talking to other film fans, like. What do you think about, like, rehashing, yeah, James Dean, you know, and, like, trying to bring him back to life for the screen? And that's just... It's wrong. It's just weird. It's just weird. It's cinematic grave robbing, and I don't like that. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, and again, again, like, I don't like taking stuff away from, like, someone who's working. Yeah. You know, a person who's alive and working and trying to put food on their table. Give it to them. Mm -hmm. You know? I agree. Next up, Ben Affleck is set to star in Hypnotic, a new sci-fi thriller from Robert Rodriguez. It's pretty cool. Interesting. I was, I thought Alita Battle Angel was okay. Didn't see it. I'm a, I love Rodriguez's early work, but he has not had a substantial hit in a long time. Like a decade. Not since like Sin City. So like a decade and a half? Yeah. 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 What is that, 2005 Sin yeah. City? Yeah. And, uh, and Sin City's good, but it's not like a fuck masterpiece or anything. No? It's just an entertaining, different yeah. kind of film. But yeah, he needs to step it up. Yeah. For sure. And, uh, this has it's like a something to do with spies. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. Well, they both they both <laughs> kind of need a comeback. So you know, we'll see. I don't think Affleck needs a comeback. I think he's still in a good spot. I don't know. He hasn't had. A, I mean, he hasn't had a big movie in a while, but he's still very much an A list name. Oh, a hundred percent. Getting, I, you know, he's got his pick of the roles. I think. Yeah, but like, think. Look at what he's done lately. Like Triple Frontier, the Batman stuff. I saw, I saw, yeah, see, that stretch I love. Like, Ar- Argo, Gone Girl, and um, there's something else in there that I really liked. Um, I hated Live By Night. Oh, that, that, that was one so sucks. bad. That's post-Gone Girl. Yeah, there, yeah. I can't remember what it is. Because, yeah, Argo's, like, 2012, 13. The Town, right? The Town, yes. Yeah. The Town's 2010, yeah. So, The Town, Argo, and Gone Girl, to me, is his best stretch as an actor. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, during, like, the 2000s, there's just some weird And I, I like his decisions. Batman. It's just the, me mo- too. the me movies too. around him sucked. That yeah, was the and I think he's a pretty solid bruce wayne yeah um yeah but we never got to see any of it yeah it's it, it, yeah frustrating frustrating that whole that dc 
fuck up. Yeah. Ugh, it's, it's really tough. I know. <laughs> when there's this other horse called Marvel that's just like, da 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 da. <laughs> just hitting on all cylinders and like getting these awesome, awesome people to play all their act, uh, all their characters. It's, like, uh, it's just frustrating because I, I want both of them to be thriving, you know? Yeah. I want both of them to be like, you know, to, to do well. Me too. Next up, Catherine Deneuve was hospitalized following a mild stroke. I didn't know that. She is expected to make a full recovery, so she nothing happened. She was, Shit. She's fine. But uh, Deneuve, we've talked about her uh, in the Polanski podcast. She yeah. started Repulsion, mm-hmm. which we both did not enjoy. Yeah, no. But here's hoping she does Damn, make that yeah. recovery. Yeah, God bless. That sucks. And now it's time for some trailers. Trailer time. First up, The Invisible Man. Starring Elizabeth Moss as an abused widow whose seemingly deceased husband is haunting her, though in reality he became invisible to shatter her sanity. Looks really creepy. Hell yes. Can't wait. I'm very excited about this. Huge Moss it's fan. such an interesting take on The Invisible Man. Yes. She's a, she's a fucking brilliant actress too. I can't wait, man. Just a sadist who became invisible to fuck with his ex-wife. God. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> it's produced by Blumhouse, who just, yeah. they know what they want. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, can't wait. Next up, Pixar's new movie, Soul, which follows a disillusioned musician as he has an out-of-body experience. Stars Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. Looks emotionally resonant, as always. Pixar knows what they're doing. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, we're we're going to be, in the near future, we're going to be, we're going to be talking, like, heavy about Pixar. Oh, yeah. We got some Pixar coming. It's like in a few months, yeah. We, we've yeah. circled it on the calendar. We're going to try to try to do that sometime this spring. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, can't wait because they, they just, yeah, they turn out stuff that you not only watch, but you think about for days after. Oh, yeah. And it's animated. I've never so. stopped thinking about, like, Inside Out. Inside Out that is, like, timeless because it, it it's talking, yeah, it's talking about your memories. It's really amazing. It's really yeah. amazing. So, your emotions and memories, yeah. <laughs> love love Pixar. Yeah, I'm really really they make no mistakes except for Cars Two. That's about it. I'd say Cars Two is the only one that I'm like no, that I'm out on. Everything else is fine. Yeah, I didn't see the Good Dinosaur. It's all right. I heard bad things about it's that. It's all right. I, I it's not like Toy Story, but yeah. you know it's not always gonna be Toy Story. You know, I think it's fine. It also came out like right after Inside Out, which is like Ey. that was not smart. Bad bad call because Inside Out was just this. Monster. Pixar's awesome got movie. a couple next year. They got Onward coming yes. out. I think Onward looks cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't seen. I was. I used to be like first in line for Pixar, mm-hmm. and I've. I've. I'm still. I still see them. Yeah. I just, I've stepped off. Like I haven't seen Brave still. I, I like I, Brave. I didn't see Coco. Coco's awesome. I yeah. heard Coco. It's was on great. Netflix right now still. Yeah, yeah. Until I guess soon. <laughs> Disney Plus is out. Well, I'm, I'm getting that this weekend. Hopefully yeah. that came out. By the way, Disney Plus yeah. is now available. Yeah. I heard they're. There were some glitches, but yeah, I'm gonna wait a couple weeks. Yeah, but the, I've heard the content is to die for. Yeah, like, my girlfriend, my girlfriend like needs it to because she adores that Marvel stuff and all that. Oh so. yeah, and, and you yeah. know like all the Simpsons episodes are gonna be on there. So all of them? Yeah. Well, they have Fox, man. Yeah. So Fox, yes, yeah, that's on their template. Yeah. Oh, so great. Every episode of the Simpsons. That's like the coolest thing to me on that <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, oh boy, it's gonna be cool. Yeah, it's like six ninety nine. It's amazing. That's great. It's amazing. That's I, so I I'm really impressed. Uh, mm-hmm. Disney kind of proved me wrong. Well, not really. I mean, they know they could charge two dollars and they're still gonna make billions off of it. So. This is Disney. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They own everything. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> they're shrugging off million do- like hundred million dollar losses like it's nothing. Dude, yeah, it's crazy. I, I was listening. There's this guy a podcast host to the Big Picture. He went to Disneyland. Uh, Sean Fennessy is the host. Him and his his younger sister they went to Disneyland, and he was like, dude. 
you know, like how there used to be, have you ever been there? The one in California? No. Los Angeles? So they used to have the Twilight Zone um, Tower of Terror like ride where you like go up and down. It's Twilight Zone themed. Now it's Guardians of the Galaxy themed. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, and I get that because you want to like, you know, it's the kids, but I'm like, oh my God. Did you ever watch that Disney Channel oh movie, Tower of Terror? Yes. Yes. I, I found that on DVD at Target a couple of Halloweens ago. And I watched it, and it's so bad, but it's so oh, fun. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve yeah. Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know you're going for it. Yeah, yeah. No, I just think that's crazy. Like, like he he said, you know, this is like a 40 year old guy who hosts this podcast, and he's he's just talking about how everything's like. You look around, it's like, oh my god, there's a, like a life size Adam Driver as yeah. Kylo Ren. Where I, when I was a kid, it was like Mickey Mouse is running around. Yeah, it's just different. Universal Studios. What, what they're what they're throwing out in front yeah. of us to like represent Disney is just way different than what it was when we were kids. Universal used to have a Shrek 4D spectacular thing. Yeah. Now it's Minions. Yeah. The yeah. Twister ride is gone now. The Terminator ride is gone now. All the classic stuff is being it, replaced. And it's all it's all being named by like Marvel. Yeah, it's yeah. being named after Marvel or yeah, like Frozen or whatever. Yeah. So times have changed, man. It's a shame. I, I'm glad I went to Disneyland when I was 13. I'm really glad I went when I did. <laughs> I've, I've never been to Disneyland yeah, or to Disney World. I went to Disney World when I was six, and then Disneyland when I was yeah I was 12 or 13. I can't remember. I've been to Universal Studios twice, and I've been, I enjoyed that's that. A, that's that a place. fucking blast. That's so much fun. Yeah, fucking blast. <laughs> Got to see the Blues Brothers play Soul Man. That was Fuck cool. yeah, dude. Went to the Beetlejuice review show. That's great. <laughs> so great. much fun. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> Finally, the last trailer that was re- released this week, Scoob. Yet another reboot of Scooby-Doo, though this time it is animated. Stars Will Forte as Shaggy, Zac Efron as Fred, Amanda Seyfried as Daphne, Gina Rodriguez as Velma, and Frank Welker as Scooby. Also co-stars Mark Wahlberg, Tracy Morgan, Ken Jeong, and Jason Isaacs. I'm going to go see it. Fuck it. Could be cute, but I don't think we need a millennial Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Probably not, but I don't know. Those are fun. Yeah. Those are fun actors. I know, but I don't... I don't want to see Scooby-Doo. I don't want to see, like, the Mystery Inc. gang with fucking iPhones and Facebook and all that <laughs> shit. I don't want to see that. Right, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. They're just modernized, yeah. I know, man. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. They want to apply it to all the kids now. But they. I looked at the supporting cast, and Dick Dastardly is going to be appearing in this. Captain Caveman. This is going to be like a Boomerang All-Stars thing, like <laughs> Wacky Races or some shit. Crazy. This could be neat. Yeah. So we'll uh, see. Here, here's hoping, right? Yeah. Here's hoping. There was a bomb scare on the set of Marvel's upcoming space epic, Eternals. The filming location used to be a German military base during World War II, and an old, unexploded bomb was discovered on set. It was removed, and nobody was injured, but that could have been catastrophic. Yeah. My goodness. Oof. I did not know about that. Yeah. Big old, old bomb. God. (laughs) Gotta be careful with that shit. Yeah, it's not... It's not, um... What's that movie John Wayne did back? Um, the Conqueror. Yeah, it's not The Conqueror. You know, it's does 19 people have phones and shit, so you, you can't get away with shit like that anymore. I'm pretty sure that if a Marvel movie set exploded and like Angelina Jolie was like destroyed, a that Mar- would be Marvel? big news. It'd be huge. That would be pretty news. big. Can't, that's my point. You can't cover that shit. You can't up bury these, that. Shit. Not these days. No. <laughs> not even with John Wayne's involved. Yeah. Not yeah. happening. Next up, Christian Bale has announced that he is done with his signature weight fluctuation as he is now worried about the effects it has had on his health. Good. In the past, Bale has become known for losing and gaining large amounts of weight really fast in order to play characters like Bruce Wayne in the Dark Knight trilogy, Trevor Resnick in The Machinist, 
Irving Rosenfeld in American Hustle, and most recently, Dick Cheney in Vice. And now, in Ford versus Ferrari, Bale's already rail-thin again, so who knows how much longer he can keep this up. He certainly doesn't. He already said, like, I don't know what it's going to do to me next time. Yeah, because uh, Gary Oldman like had a conversation with him about, hey man, he, yeah, like you need to stop. Yeah, he's you need to stop. You're not, you're not twenty, now? you're not twenty five anymore. You no. can't, yeah, you can't just do this shit on a dime. Gaining and losing weight that fast is incredibly dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Crazy. I mean, yeah, you, you but know. it's done wonders for his performances. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you just look at his career, yeah, it's like helped him tremendously. <laughs> and made yeah set him apart from everyone else yeah. in this generation, and he he might be the best of his generation. You know? But I also don't want him to keel over from a heart attack Fuck next no. week because no. of the shit. You know, no, Oof. no, I want to see him act in movies. You yeah, know? we're gonna see Ford vs Ferrari. I want to keep seeing. I that. want to see him as like a sixty year old Bruce Wayne when they do the Batman Beyond movie in the future. Uh, I want to see that. Uh, that would be please, yes. please. <laughs> Oh, that'd be so there's so many fucking potential. cool. There's so many Batman actors out there. The fact at least one of them has got a gr- fucking Clooney. I don't care. Somebody. I want to see that. Michael Keaton? Oh, that my would, God. That would be a dream come true. Yeah, it really would. Uh, I will even would. take Val Kilmer. Yeah. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. yeah. Right now? Yes, <laughs> me too. It should be Kevin Conroy, though. That would be fucking cool. Yeah, it should be Kevin Conroy. But, but, but again, like 20 years from now, Bale, you know, <sighs> that guy. Who knows, fuck. man? Dude, 50 Ooh. years from now, Pattinson. <laughs> Jesus. Fuck it. 20 years from now, Joaquin Phoenix. We'll be in our 70s in the nursing home watching Batman. Like, you remember how it used to be? Yeah. <laughs> remember when Marvel and those yeah. DC movies were just... Episode 15,582 of Filmgasm. <laughs> There's not even a microphone anymore. We're Guardians just... of the Galaxy 19. We're just talking into the wall. <laughs> uh, Goddamn. Man. Finally... Dr. Sleep is expected to bomb, so far only grossing $34 million globally on a $45 million budget. This is particularly upsetting to me, since earlier this year, the vastly inferior Pet Cemetery was a box office smash, as was It Chapter 2. So what was it about Dr. Sleep that killed it? I don't know. And to point out another one, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark made $100 million, like... I don't. I don't understand. But and specifically, Pet Cemetery and it because they were king. Yeah, they're Stephen King. Like, yeah, and we're in that King Renaissance, like you know, they're in the. And yeah. I think Doctor Sleep was advertised even more than those were. Yes, I don't. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, I don't know if horror fans were just sitting on their ass. You know, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to. But I, I, I don't know if it's going to even break even. It might not. Because it's you said it's made thirty four. Thirty four. And it was like operating on like around a fifty million dollar budget. So yeah. So Jesus, man, that's. When you when you do that poorly on opening weekend, that's just a horrible sign for everybody else. It's a horrible sign for people who are thinking about seeing it. You know, I think it's just, um, it was Veterans Day weekend. Yeah, Midway came out the same day. It's a World War II movie. People are going to see that. Yeah, Midway beat it. It's PG thirteen. You can bring your kids, and it just it's not two and a half hours. Yeah, it's not yeah. two and a half hours. And see, hardcore horror fans like us, we know Dr. Sleep is a sequel to The Shining. Yeah, but some people don't. Regular people don't know that. Yeah, the general public, yeah, has no idea. My older brother had no idea. Two older brothers, one of them, Jeremy, huge horror fan, definitely knows what Dr. Sleep is. (laughs) Definitely knows that, like, he read it. But my oldest brother, Adam, not a big Stephen King guy, not a big horror guy. That's fine, that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and he saw The Shining recently for the first time, and he's like, I didn't really know, like, he's like, they should be shoving that down people's throats, that it's Shining 2, essentially. This is, 
this is Jack Nicholson's son. <laughs> like, like we, the general public should know this. And it seemed like they didn't. Yeah. It seemed like they just kept saying Dr. Sleep. Doctor, who's Dr. Sleep? The general people don't know this. Admittedly, though, it's a terrible title for the book. For the book. Yeah. It's yeah. a very minor part of the story. It sucks, man. It's, it's a bad I mean, but it's title. A cool, it's a cool title, Dr. Sleep. I mean, I guess. Not really. I don't know. It's, it's not going to age well. And this movie's not going to age well if it doesn't fucking get better word of mouth. I don't know what's going on, man. It's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But the few people who I ha- who I do know who have seen it have said it's good. Like, yeah. it's good. Go check it out. So I'm going to. Any I'm, Shining fan worth his salt is going to love this. Yeah. No, we, we will most certainly be doing a, a bonus talking about it in depth. And, and weirdly, we were talking about this before we started recording. It is kind of following the same critical path as The Shining did. Yeah, and back in 1980. Where it wasn't yeah. a box office success, but people found it later. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird. This It might happen the same way, yeah. It could. We'll see, we'll see. Oh, boy. So that is all for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hell yeah, had a blast. If you did, please leave a review on iTunes or like and subscribe on YouTube. Every little bit helps. Word of mouth is the best way to get people interested. Next week, we go back to Stephen King with a recent entry in his film catalog based on a story that he wrote with his son, Joe Hill. The Netflix original, In the Tall Grass, in which a group of travelers become trapped in a seemingly endless field of tall grass that something dark is lurking within. It's a film that neither of us have seen, and you'll get to hear what we think about it next week on Filmgasm. Oh yeah. Till then, don't resurrect the dead, but if you do, make sure you don't use an abnormal brain.